This is The Unseen, and I'm your host, Mike Cleland. My guest for this episode is Marissa Ryan. She is a psychic medium and a good one, and I can say that because I did a session with her back in 2009, and pretty much everything she said came true. Our discussion for this hour focuses on the emotional end of her work and her own personal experiences. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to another interview done by Alex Takaris at the Skeptico site. He and Marissa had an excellent discussion, and their focus was much more on the validity of her work. Marissa has taken part in a series of scientific studies, and the results have been fascinating. But we don't talk about any of that in our discussion. So if you want a strong follow-up interview, I suggest heading over to the Skeptico site. Now, Marissa is very plain-spoken, and she comes across as, as, well, like, really normal, so much so that it's a bit disarming. She is very, very easy to talk to, and this was a fun hour. I also want to point out that there was a technical flub during this interview, and the first seven minutes or so did not get recorded. So what we did is we just re-recorded the opening questions at the end. And you'll hear me come in early on in the interview, and I'll note the point where the actual recording of our, of our interview proper starts. This interview was recorded on Wednesday, December 11th, 2019. Please enjoy. Marissa, I want to thank you so much for saying yes to this interview. It means a lot to me. Oh, thank you for having me. Marissa, I suspect you have told this story many hundreds of times, but I want to know how you got into this, how you got started, how this journey began for you. Well, a long story short is that basically I was 35 years old, a new mother, um, a mother of three, had a new baby, was married. Um, I, we had a tragic death in our family where my mom and my niece passed away. It got me to questioning what happens when we die. And I just started reading some books. And, um, next thing I know I've got, I had the spirit of a murder girl show up in my house and she showed me her entire murder and really got me to the shock of what she was showing me, I think kind of woke me up to pay attention. And, um, Next thing I know, I was calling the police and telling them I had spoke to her and they thought I was part of the murder. And then I started communicating with her and she kind of like she told everybody on the other side I could see her and hear her and they started showing up. They would show up in my car, follow me at work. Um, next thing I know, I have spirits following me everywhere and I'm talking to them and I can see them and I can hear them and I can feel them and we're communicating and they're kind of teaching me how to communicate. And I'm learning. I'm at first. I think I'm guessing. I think I'm making it up. I think I'm a little wacko. My my husband thinks I'm a little crazy. Um, but I just start communicating with them, and I start seeing spirits following other people. So I start talking to them, or they're riding in my car, and I'm talking to them. And uh, within about six months, I ended up on a radio show in L.A. I did that for three years. I started talking to people that were had lost loved ones. I started communicating with them, um, giving them messages from their loved ones. And then all of a sudden it just like became my career. And I loved the career I had. It was a wonderful career. And I ended up leaving that career to do this full time because it was really hard to do both. And, um, it just, it just went crazy. 
and um, it's been very fulfilling. Here's a question for you. It just went crazy. So how, what were you, I mean, what were you feeling in that moment when you were struggling with this new chapter? I didn't ask you this before, but what were you struggling with? Uh, or how did it feel to be confronted with something that, that must have pushed your boundaries? I wasn't scared um, at all. It didn't frighten me for some reason. Um, the I love how you use the word boundaries because the boundaries were, um, I was a little bit of a control freak where I like to control my environment and what's around me. Most of us women are. And these were spirits that were showing up and it's like one minute I couldn't see them and then they would just pop up right in front of me. So I couldn't control it. And not only could I not control the spirit at first, but I couldn't control my heart rate and them coming into my space really raised my heart rate to the point where I was, I was having heart palpitations. I was, um, literally failing EKGs at cardiologist office and they couldn't figure out why I was having so much anxiety and it was, I had to learn to kind of mesh with their energy and to calm down. And I think when I realized that I had to create the boundaries, the boundaries I had to create with spirit was literally like I had to set hours like, okay, you can't just show up in my shower. You can't just show up on my family vacation. You can't just show up, you know, when I'm uh, at work, you have, you have to come when I tell you, you can. And did they listen? And they listened. Oh, good. They That's did. good. It was amazing. Yeah, no, it, they were very cooperative and very, they are very polite, actually. And here, I'm just going to, so I, I was confronted with the same kind of thing. I was thought I was going crazy. I was like, I was so anxious. I was like, just, I was functioning so poorly at a time when I was seeing so many owls. I was seeing owls everywhere. I was just like, I couldn't stop seeing owls. So I literally went in the woods and I made a little announcement. And I said, this isn't working. You got to. You got to tone it down. I, I'm only going to pay attention when an owl crosses my path. An owl off in a tree, off in the distance, that doesn't count. So I was a couple of days later, I was riding my bike, an owl crossed in front of my path. I watched it fly from one branch on one side of the road to the other. It was I could have touched it if I put my arm out in front of the bike as it passed right in front of me. Now, it calmed down a lot. I asked it, I asked it to calm down, and it did. So, so you and I share that in a way. Let me ask you, did you ever ask, did you ever ask Owl why? I asked a channel. I asked a psychic channel one time why. Okay. Okay. Because that's the one thing I always tell people is when something happens more than three times, you need to stop and like, like you went out into the forest, which I thought is really cool because it's like you went on their territory and you're like, hey, <laughs> So it's like you need to sit and go into like a meditative state or something and say why. Like for me, I at the beginning I was why me? Why me? What's so special about me? Why why are you coming to me? Like what what why do I have to do this? And part of it I realized is cuz I was asking for it. When my niece died and we didn't know why. She was 21 years old. Died in her sleep of unknown causes. I was asking for the gift to be able to talk to her. So I realized, wow, I asked for it. And the and the other answer was, why did this murder girl come to me? And it wasn't necessarily to solve the murder. It was she wanted, needed to show me something so, so kind of graphic and gruesome that it got my attention enough to really pay attention. But those are the things that you ask. Why me? 
And, and setting boundaries is probably the most important thing. I didn't know that I could set boundaries until I ran into a psychic store and told some psychic lady, help me, please. They're driving me crazy. And she said, you need to set boundaries. And I was like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. And she's like, yes, you do. And that's, that was how I learned, okay, well, I'm going to set boundaries. And I just basically said, I'm not going to help you. Um, and it's not easy. I've had a lot of people, a lot of students will say, I'm telling them um, I'm setting the boundaries and they're not obeying. So I, and I, I just say, you have to keep working on it and you have to keep busy and you have to move on with life and ignore them and only give them a certain time of day. Like, you know, at nine o'clock at night, I would come home and sit down and go, okay, who's here? What do you want to talk about? You know? And then the rest of the day I, I was off in life and then I would give. And once I did that, they finally were like, oh, well, I guess she's not going to help us if we don't do it on her terms. And then they, they were like, okay, we'll, we'll work with you. And that it worked great. And that's how it works. Okay, now, what you just heard was recorded at the end of the interview, and I plugged it in at the beginning. And now we are going to pick up where the actual recording started. And what you are going to hear is Marissa responding to my question, and my question was about how she works with law enforcement. And then we'll jump right sort of into the middle of her answer, and it'll make sense. Here you go. Contacted by law enforcement because they want to know if I'm part of the murder or part of the missing person. So they check me out out of suspicion, and then usually right away they start to realize I'm not a part of it, and then I give them the information that I have, and then we go from there. But mostly uh, my day-to-day job, I usually about, you know, full-time, is I communicate with spirit for my clients. And I I do a lot of um, intuitive coaching. I do a lot of spirit communication and I also do a lot of psychic readings where I'm helping people or um, telling them like directions they need to go, changes. I do a lot of business coaching with CEOs of companies. Um, and I use, uh, I, I basically just, I bridge the gap between their spirit guide and them and, and they get information and guidance um, in their life or their business or career or health or all of those factors. And, and I'm, it really, what we are is when they say a medium, I mean, I really am. I'm like the mediator between the spirit world. Um, and when I say spirit world, that, that could be spirits of deceased loved ones. That could be spirit guides. That could be angels. That could be ascended masters. That could be all of the above. I'm kind of the mediator between our world and that world. And so that's what I do every single day. <laughs> well, that's one of my questions was going to be, what is a normal day for you? Um, you know, I have, a, I have developed over all these years, um, and, I, and I developed it quite early, is a switch on how to turn it on and off. So a normal day for me is, um, you know, get up, go to the gym like everybody else, or used to get my kids off to school. Now they're all grown up. Um, and then I'm either driving to my office, um, or I work from home. So it depends. I see in-person clients, um, at my office. That's a couple miles from my house, or I have a home office that I do all of my phone. I do a lot of international, um, clients. So I'm usually Skyping with my international clients. And um, that's what I do. And I do about probably about five hours a day and um, and then turn the switch on the minute I, 
you know, make the first phone call or walk into my office. And then when I leave or hang up, the switch goes off and then I move on with my regular day. And, um, I do a lot of retreats. I, uh, work with other practitioners and we have done uh, for probably 16 years now, I've been doing two to five retreats a year where we, I teach people how to do what I do. Um, or we do spiritual or shamanic retreats. Um, where people gather for a weekend. Um, so I do a lot of that and I love, I've, I've really enjoyed teaching people how to do what I do because there's so many people like me that are waking up all of a sudden and this happens and they don't know what to do with it. I mean, I was completely freaked out when it first happened to me. So for me to be able to help somebody and show them, wow, like you can learn how to fine tune this or learn how to communicate with your deceased daughter or son that passed or you know even your learn how to communicate with your pets that have crossed over or your parents that have crossed over I learned how to do that I've taught people and now they're working with police and they've moved on to start their own businesses um so it's been really amazing to be able to help guide other people because it can be a little bit crazy when it first happens and you sometimes don't know how to deal with it. And um, it's just nice to be able to say, hey, you're not alone. I've been there. And how can I help you? You are. So I have had many of the same experiences that you're describing. I'm coming from a completely different direction. But that sense of am I going crazy? Why me? What's what's happening? What is what is unfolding around me? And that and then also I'll say change the direction of my life and I feel what I'm doing now is much, much more satisfying and rewarding. So yeah, we share that and, and this is so this is gonna be part of the talk, I guess, in a way, is a part of what I'm gonna try to get at is this overlap between um it feels like I'm sort of living in the UFO world. I, I know that, I'm comfortable in that. I, I may be wrong about it, and it's still it's a total mystery what it what's behind the veil there. And you are in the psychic world. And yes. and and I this is something I'm unfamiliar with. Like I've I've had psychic sessions, I've talked to many psychics, but I'm but it's and I've actually had quite a number of powerful psychic experiences, but they're very fleeting and I don't know how to control them. But my sense is that there is this overlap. And we don't need to sort of dig into that right away, but before this hour is up, I, I hope to uh to try to to try to make you an attempt to Oh, go on. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the overlap. It's really interesting because um, when I was doing the show in Los Angeles on the radio, um, a really, uh, I don't know if you know Roger Lear in the UFO world. I, he was, I've met Roger Lear, yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, well, Roger heard me on the radio show, and Roger was the one that called me and said, hey, I, I'm doing this UFO conference, and I want you to come speak at it. And I was like, a UFO conference? Like, really? And I was I thought that was so interesting. And I have probably spoke at six different UFO conferences since. And it's funny how I, I at first never correlated the connection, but I've had some ET experiences. I am, am not an ET expert. I'm not a UFO expert at all. But I had some experiences. And the funny thing is, is when I speak at these conferences, I don't ever speak about my experiences. I just speak about being a psychic medium, but it is interesting how he wanted me to come and 
bridge that gap and, and, and be a part of that. And it's been so fascinating. I've, I've done, um, I've done some radio shows, um, with George Norrie on coast to coast and I've been on his TV show and, um, the amount of listeners that reach out to me that are all UFO followers, um, has been so fascinating. And because there is a correlation to it because it's really interesting, um, to communicate with spirits, your it's telepathic communication is probably 80% of the communication. And, and I have found that communicating with ETs is also telepathic. So it, that's a really interesting, um, combination of the two. So I like how you said that. Well, well, just a quick question. What's the other 20%? You said 80%. I would have an answer for myself. What's the other 20%? Twenty percent. The other twenty percent would be uh, more physical, like them using um, physical sensations to communicate. Actually appearing physically in front of you, dream state, meditations coming through, and I mean, I could go on and on. Near death experience. And you're just you're describing you're describing the overlap again. This is exactly what a UFO co experience would say too. I would add to that list synchronicity, like profound coincidences would would play a role in in the experience, especially the experience of someone who's had UFO contact as a form of communication. I would go so far as to say that it's often very cryptic and symbolic, but it's a form of communication. I I, I like I like synchronicity. Yeah, I don't. I really do believe that everything has a reason. I don't believe in coincidence as much as I do believe in synchronicity. If that may, if that, if that makes sense. <laughs> you're talking to, yes, you're, I'm right up there with you. Yes. So yes, every once in a while, right. Of course, like coincidences certainly can occur, but there are some whoppers out there that, that you better pay attention to. Well, and one thing I will say that I have noticed watching my clients and my students is that. When somebody has, I'll give you an example, it could be an ET experience, a UFO experience, because even witnessing a UFO, which I have not, but when you witness a UFO, I do know, specifically through spirit even communicating it to me, um, is that you have a profound, even biological change in your body, that it, it absolutely changes you as a human being. And a lot of that becomes an intuit, intuitive um, experience. And if you have had intuitive experiences or the synchronicity or the spiritual uh, awakenings, um, any kind of psychic mediumship sensations or, again, ET experiences, if you do not do something about it, it can lead to profound medical issues. And I absolutely believe that you can it can lead to symptoms of anxiety depression chronic headaches migraines it's amazing how i have watched people come to my classes who have been getting all these psychic hits and all these things happening since they were children suffered so many symptoms and illnesses over all of their life. And then the minute they start taking a class and actually releasing it and acknowledging it and using the gifts that they have, a lot of that subsides. And it's amazing. <laughs> that is interesting because I've sensed the same thing. I mean, you're, you're articulating something that I'm sensing, yes, that I've seen within the UFO 
uh, community also, the people who've had direct contact or people who've had a very close-up sighting, um, you got to deal with this. You got to deal with it. Hey, we have reached the end of the first 15 minutes. We're going to be taking a short break for free Dreamlanders. You will hear a few commercials. For paying members, we will be right back. We are back on The Unseen, and we are with my guest, Marissa Ryan, who is a psychic medium. And this is a question I've always wanted to ask. Does your husband ever come and say, you know, honey, where did where did I put my car keys? <laughs> um, probably three times a day. And, <laughs> and, but, but I will honestly answer you, that's not because I'm a psychic. It's because I'm a wife. <laughs> 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 it's... Literally, can't you know, they husbands can't find a lot. I've noticed it with my boys. Actually, I've noticed it with my daughter. Same thing. And I, they don't. I, I, I'm at the point now, too. Yeah, yeah. My husband never asks me occasionally when something happens to a car breaking down or something's going on. He'll say, put your psychic hat on and tell me what you think. And then he laughs. But he doesn't uh, use. He does it. My kids are the ones you'll say, Mom, hey, can you tell me where? Like if they're in a breakup of a relationship, psychically tell me, am I going to end up with them in the future? I mean, um, that kind of thing. I get a lot. Yes. So what do you do? I mean, you're you're sort of taking a little bit of free will out of the equation, aren't you? If you if you go down that road. Well, no, not necessarily, because I, I believe that when I get information about somebody, it's if they continue to currently do what they're currently doing so they can change their free will at any time. My biggest thing is that when my kids and I'm going through this currently right now with one of my kids just went through is in a horrible breakup and she'll keep asking me, you know, are we going to get back, you know, put on your psychic hat and tell me. And, and my answer every single time, and this is exactly the truth. I am so close to the situation emotionally that I can't get myself out of the way. So I will tell them, sorry, this doesn't work on you. <laughs> Because you're my kid and I'm your mom and I'm emotionally involved in your future and I have feelings about emotional feelings about it and I can't get myself out of the way to actually like talk to your guide and to trust that I'm getting the information. So I bow out of that at every moment I can because I don't trust the information I get when I'm doing it for someone I'm really close to. Well, that's interesting. You know, I have a pendulum and my partner, Andrew, and I, we both have pendulums and, you know, we'll use them every once in a while. And as soon as you ask like a highly charged, personal, emotional question, it just, you're never, in my opinion, you're never going to get a good answer. It's going to go haywire and give you a scrambled up answer. I don't, I, I don't like pendulums. I can make them move whatever direction I tell them to. So I just, the minute I'm sitting there and I'll say, give me a yes or no, or this or that, I can literally make it move. With my mind, not my hand. I've even done it when it's not attached to me. And so I just can't use them. I do use them on maps when I'm finding missing people, but I don't use them um, for questions anymore. Yeah. And I found that the, that for anything personal or emotional, they're, they're not to be trusted. Yeah, true. It's 2019. Ten years ago, you and I met very briefly at a UFO conference in Laughlin, Nevada. Uh, this would have been 2000 and. Well, you know, what's 11 years ago? It was 2008. So, yeah, it was 11 years ago we met. Now, um, you know, I, I walked up to you at the conference and I said, I'm going to contact you. You were pretty busy. You were mobbed by a lot of people. So I just think I said something very polite, like, I'm going to make an attempt to contact you. I did. It was many months later. I contacted you. We did a session. I recorded the session. I'm so glad I recorded it. Now, 
to be clear, uh, 11 years ago, that was at the point when I was wrestling with these issues of the UFO contact stuff. And at the time, it was not a peaceful time for me. I, I recognized it was, I had to look into it. I didn't believe it. I didn't trust it. I wanted to deny it. I wanted to push it down. But at the same time, the harder I tried to push it down, the, the worse it got for me emotionally. So I was sort of crumbling at the time. And that's when we spoke. So, and I'm going to read aloud, but this would be, this would be in your voice. I am being told that you are supposed to be journaling all your experiences. And that means going back to the very first memory you have. You need to be journaling. I feel it's important for you to re-experience them. And uh, at many points as you were saying this, I was actually laughing aloud. What was your mood? Can you remember? And then what was your experience? And completely describe every bit of it. And how did it feel at the time? Meaning, was there any communication? Did you have anxiety? Did you have fear? Did you love it? Did you feel at peace? Every little thing you can sense, use all your senses. Write it all down. And then write down, how do you feel about it now? And you are supposed to go through each experience. I am told that you are going to write a book if you haven't started already. It's not necessarily for education purposes. It's just because there are more and more people waking up that have had these experiences like you, and they feel like they're crazy or like they are nuts. And even though there are millions of cases out there, there are still new people waking up and saying, I don't believe this, or why is this happening to me? And you will bring peace to them. Now, that was recorded 11 years ago, and this this sort of has defined the last 11 years of my life. Like, that's exactly how my life played out. I re-examined all my experiences. I wrote a book, a series of books at this point, and I get emails all the time, letters all the time, people thanking me, saying, your book brought peace to me. So, I mean, in a way, thank you. And I mean, I suspect you must get this kind of confirmation from people now and again. I do. I do. And it, 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 it makes me feel wonderful that I get that confirmation. But I mean, that's your what I was doing is communicating with your spirit guide to get information about like where you are and what you are supposed to do. And the fact here's here, I want to give you a huge pat on the back because you actually listened and you took action when I have so many people don't. Um, I have people that will call me back every year for 10 years and ask me the same questions and get the same answers and still not take action. So I'm so excited that you took action because that's part of the purpose of you were supposed to do that. And the amount of people that you're helping is amazing. So who were you, who, where, where was this source? What was the source of the information that you were receiving? Was it from my angels, from my higher self? Was it from? It was from your guide. Definitely. And who are my guides? Definitely. You have, well, I, I'm sensing, and I don't know what I told you back in that reading. I probably would have told you who your guide was back then. I don't remember anything about that reading, but I'm being shown you have a male guide and your male guide is the one, he is the one who, he knows that that's your purpose. I feel like the experiences you've had, a lot of those experiences were meant for you to have these outcomes so that you can help others. Um, there's kind of a common denominator of when people start having these same experiences that they bring validation to other people having the same experiences. And that's why, I mean, I really feel like there are so many people waking up every single day and it's, it's for the good. It's actually a, a, a great thing that they're waking up, even though it can be scary and painful and emotional. It, 
it really is changing the vibration of our planet. And you're a big part of that. So congratulations on um, actually listening to me and listening to your guides and actually taking that action and doing something wonderful. And I bet that you discovered a lot more information by doing that about your experiences and and really your emotions involved, uh, I think, evolved in reenacting those experiences um, in writing. So great job. Well, some of the was some of it was out and out research on some other stuff, and which I'll get to next here. Um, I, I've said this many times here on on the show. So you know, people ask me what changed after going down this road, after examining this, and I will tell you at the beginning part of the process, it was like it was like jumping off the cliff. It was like it felt insane to to do what I was doing was to pull on those threads and follow these these clues. Now, eleven years later. I can say that I feel like I live in a magical universe. Like I see the magic, like I sense it, this undercurrent of, of, of spiritual otherworldly events that are taking place all the time. If you, if you have the, even the most minimal awareness, you can pick up on them. Oh, exactly. Well said. Hey, when I first contacted you, this is going back a few months ago, it might even been this summer when I sent you an email and said, uh, you know, Hey, would you be willing to come on the show? So that was 11 years after we, the last time we talked. And um, you said you looked up, you looked me up online. And I think I'm quoting your email a little bit here. You said you had an aha moment about owls. What, yes. what happened? What's your, what's your stuff with owls? This is, I mean, I, I ask everyone. So you're not the only one. I ask everyone what, you know, what's up with the owls. So, Well, you mentioned something about owls. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, I have, when I was, um, my father, as I was being raised, my father was a falconer and he used to um, train red tail hawks and owls. And so when I was, I have a picture of me literally sitting on the couch doing my homework and his pet owl was sitting next to me on the couch. So, so and hold so, it. Just so, so you had a pet owl. Yeah, it was a, literally a pet trained owl, a full on owl. And I have pictures of my dad holding out in the backyard, holding up his red tail hawk and his owl, one on each hand. And, and um, he would get him his babies and he would train him. And then um, at one point he got me an owl and said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to train it. So I had a pet owl and it would sit next to me on my couch while I did my homework. So it's, it's funny. With, so I've been in, infatuated with owls and red tail hawks ever since, but mainly owls. So like I have a house up in the mountains and I have an entire wall dedicated to owls. Like the entire wall is owl figurines <laughs> and owl sculptures and owl everything. I have tons of owl jewelry and owl t-shirts and owl. I have an obsession. I love owls. It's weird. It's been a, and an owl is not even like a totem animal to me, but I just love owls. So when you said owls, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. I see them everywhere. Yeah. So I mean, I see them everywhere too now because I've written three books on owls at this point. Uh, so, like, listen up, people. Here's like a psychic medium who had a pet owl in her youth, and and I'm at the point now where I see the owl as a it's a symbol. And so, in, in the ancient mythology, the owl was the okay. Well, let's turn the clock back, like before the electric light, right? So you have uh, uh, nighttime meant something much different to to our ancestors than it does to us now. Now, 
anyone in ancient times knew that owls could fly in the dark. That must have seemed absolutely magical. Owls can fly into the dark. Now, through in all the world's mythologies, there's kind of a rough repetition, a, 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 a commonality, where the lore of the owl is that they can fly into the darkness. And then in doing so, metaphorically, they're going into another realm. They're going to that other realm, the land of the dead, the land of the ancestors, the land of the gods, the land of the spirits, that other realm. And, and then they return with a message. So the owl is, this is the title of the book, The Messengers. The owl is a messenger. And I got so many letters from people who would have an owl land on their back porch and they would talk about, you know, the psychic experience they had or the spiritual feeling they felt. And they would no longer call it an owl. They would just call it a messenger. So this is the lore. Uh, Harry Potter has an owl and it delivers the mail, right? So it's perfect. So there's a, oh, yeah. so there's like the ancient mythology is right here with us right now, present day, in our pop culture, like embedded in our pop culture. It's here. It's so that you had an owl does not that does not surprise me at all. I mean, actually, it does surprise me. I think it's wonderful. Now, if you write a book about owls, if you write three books about owls, you end up with a lot of owl T-shirts and a lot of owl knickknacks and owl corkscrews. <laughs> so yeah, I, I had the. I've already got them. Yeah, I I've got already them too. Got right? them. <laughs> we all so we should have a, so. Well, they're so wise, you know, they're wise and they see in the dark and they are, they're seers, they're seers and they, they are messengers. And you look at the whole sword in the stone and they've always been depicted as the wise one, the wise owl. And, and it's amazing. And I usually see, I'll see owls during the day, but like I see owls at night all the time. They'll fly across my car, you know, all the time or all the time. How interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I'll send you. I'll try and find the picture of me with the owl next to me while I'm doing homework and I'll send it to you. Oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> and I will just say straight up that you are doing the work now. You are the, you are doing that exactly the work of the mythology of the owl. You are traveling to another dimension, another realm, the land of the dead, the land of our ancestors, the land of our spirits. And you are you are the bridge. You are coming back with a message. Yeah, I never thought of it. Honestly, I've never thought of it. I never put the thought of I had an owl as a child and now I'm a seer. You know, I've never thought of it that way. So very interesting. And, you know, I maybe I'm going out on a limb a little bit making these things, but I don't think so. <laughs> so probably not. There are no coincidences, I'm telling you. We are now going to take our second break. For free Dreamlanders, you will hear a few commercials. For paying members, we will be right back. We are back on The Unseen. I am with my guest, Marissa Ryan, and she is a psychic medium, and we are talking about bridging that gap between this world and that other world. Now, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a few questions. Have you ever done remote viewing? Um, a little bit, but not much. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Have you ever um, worked with hypnotherapists and, and sort of tapped into that realm at all? I have been hypnotized myself. That's as far as it goes. So I have done had some hypnotherapy done on myself before. Okay, and so so in your work, do past lives show up? I yes, I do a lot of past life readings where I am shown by your guides. I am shown your past lives, and I can like describe them to you. I can tell you names and places and where you were. Um, I've experienced my own past lives, but with that said, I'm one of those people that my my opinion of past lives are yes we have hundreds of past lives yes they're interesting 
Do I need to know about my past lives? No. Does it do anything for this current life? No, not really. Should I obsess about the past lives? No, not at all. I I will say this. I had a problem with a choking issue um, years ago before I started doing this, actually. My, I had a problem where my throat felt like I had a noose around my neck and it was closing to the point where I went to the ER one night because I literally thought like I'm having an allergy attack or something's going on. And they literally were like, we, you're fine. You're, you're fine. And this went on for a year. I was having a problem with my throat closing. And then two years later, I just kind of ignored it, learned to live with it. Two years later, I did a past life regression and found out that I was hung in that life. And I went through the experience of the crossing over. I experienced it all over again. And that choking feeling went away, I would say 85%. So that was, I felt that was a benefit, but um, I don't, I, I don't believe in karmic debt from a past life. Like I don't believe that if we killed somebody in a past life, we're going to be killed or we have to pay a karmic debt for it in this life. I do not believe in that at all. Okay, fair enough. The reason I ask is because I have gone through hypnotherapy. I have attempted and done quite well in the one and only time I have tried um, remote viewing. And then I've also had a past life hypnotherapy session that was remarkably healing. I'll, I'll do a very short little thing on it here where I and I've talked about this plenty on this show and on other shows and in my writings and in my books, I have suffered terribly from clinical depression. And I went through a past life hypnotherapy session and was very deep under, I'm convinced, just the way the whole thing felt. And a story emerged that I was a, a young art student and I was very arrogant and I was beaten up and I went blind. And I and it the person who beat me up felt so bad they committed suicide. So there's all this drama, like so that so after the hypnosis session, like I literally sat up in the chair and was like, I'm cured. I'm cured. I could feel it. And I have had this was now six or so years ago. I have had no episodes of clinical depression at all in the last six years. I have not been able to say that since I was twelve. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and it was, but once again, I, I know just what you're saying. Like I knock wood at the same time. I, I want to say that I'm happy this has all worked out. I can't say for sure. I'll never go through it again, but I'm very content now. And I, and I have no fear of it anymore. Let's put it that way. I don't know how to say this, like there's all these events uh, or all these experiences or all these phenomena of, of uh, psychic issues, of UFO issues, of past live issues. And they're all connected. They're all spokes on a wheel. But I'm so curious what's why well, we may never find out. But I'm so curious what's at the hub of that wheel that these all these disparate spokes, you know, out at the edge of the wheel, they're all distant and they seem separate, but they all connect to one core core point. And that's what I'm fascinated with. See, you no, know, and that's interesting because I don't feel like anything is being driven by one specific thing or energy or entity. I don't really believe it's like one specific thing. I feel like it's a correlation of so many things working together. If you look at how our body is so incredible, how it develops from, you know, an egg and a sperm and, and makes like this living being that we, this body that we have, it's amazing. So if you look at it, I look at it like, all of these things put together are, they're all meant to be together. And I like, um, whether it's ETs, souls, human souls, animal souls, 
I feel like it's, it's all a big part of, um, the system. We're all a part of a system. I do too. And that's, that system is what I want to better understand. And yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I think, I, I am not sure we're ever meant to fully understand it because I think it's bigger than we can handle. I agree. Um, but I do believe that being a part of it and using the gifts that the system has to offer and part of the communication is so valuable. The one thing that I believe drives everything, I guess I would change that. I don't believe it's like one person that's driving it, but the one thing I believe that drives the communication, the feelings, the, the, our soul is love. And I, and I do feel like we're all connected and, and the word love actually to me has so many meanings, but, um, that's the one thing I think is, it is all about that. And it's just so hard for people to understand that because we live in such a materialistic survival world, you know, um, it makes it really hard. You know, I read something, this is going back in probably the early 1990s. I was reading a lot of like, I think it might've been a Fritoff Capra, who was a physicist who wrote a series of books. Like, I think I've got that right. And he said something to the effect of, you know, perhaps in the future, we'll get a really powerful microscope and we'll be able to, we'll be able to go to the smallest particles that make up the atoms that make up the protons. And we'll just get smaller and smaller and smaller. And we'll finally find that little spark that connects everything. And we'll look at it under the microscope and we'll do some computations and we'll realize that little spark is love. You know, that was a little parable. It was a little story. And I, and I said, well, I'm going to try to live my life like that. You know, that's, I'm going to try to so right. proceed forward with that as my as as the framework of how the fabric of reality is all glued together. So yeah, yeah, well said. Well, so many people I notice, you know, everybody, and I'm probably guilty of this myself, is is we all want to know what it boils down to. Well, okay, so let's say we find a little spark, and that spark is love. Well, then it's who created the spark, and who who created it? How did it was it created, and why was it created? It's fascinating to find it out, but let's survive in it. You know what I mean? It's like instead of getting hung up on who created it, why is it here and where is it so that we can we're going to define it, we're going to pick it apart, we're going to analyze it, we're going to judge it, we're going to have opinions about it. Let's just live in it. Let's just exist with it. Let's make it work. You know what I mean? And just like utilize it. Yeah, overexamining it is doesn't serve us. No, sometimes we just have to be. Yeah, yeah. And my thing is, is let's just choose love. It's like, no matter what, just choose love, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. So hey, uh, earlier in the talk, uh, you mentioned you had UFO experiences. I would love to hear what those were. Okay, so when I first started doing, well, it's, here's the interesting, funny thing. As I grew up as a kid, with my father and uh, who, who, who raised the, 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 he was a falconer and we would sit in the backyard on the swing. Um, I'm here in Southern California. So kind of in the city. And he would say to me, if a UFO landed right now in the backyard, would you go up in it and take, go in a, for a ride? And I said, well, I will, if you will. And so I was brought up, my dad was really fascinated by UFOs. He and he was born in 1928, so he's he's an older generation, and but he was fascinated by it, and so he 
kind of got me fascinated by it. Um, but I, you know, I just thought I'm one of those people that believe it or not, even though I talk to dead people, I literally have to see something to believe it's real. Like I, I, I need proof. I need evidence. It's very important to me. And so I'd never seen a UFO before, but once I started, um, doing this work very quickly, probably within six to eight months. Uh, so imagine I'm in bed sleeping and the bedroom connected to my bedroom was a retreat room, which was my daughter's nursery. And it had these two accordion doors that closed and there's slats in the, uh, shuttered, they were shutter doors and there's slats in the doors. And I, all of a sudden I just like, I heard the sound. I sat up and I looked in through the slats of the door where my daughter's in the other side of the door sleeping in her crib. And I see a light and something moving back and forth through the slats. And I'm thinking, what is in there? And I saw this really crazy, like blue light. And as I looked over to my right, standing in the doorway were two little short men. And they looked like grays, but they were tiny, like like literally three and a half feet tall. They had little uniforms on and they were standing there and they were looking at me and it was like, I didn't even open my mouth. I just looked at him and I just said, you are not welcome here. You need to leave. And then one looked at me and he said, we find her fascinating. And I, and I, my attitude as a mother was, I don't care how fascinating she is. You need to get the hell out of here. And it was like within a second, the, they left. And then the flashing light, the whatever was going back and forth in her room left. Now, my daughter has been terrified her entire life. She's 18 years old now, and she's still afraid. She would come screaming into my bedroom probably five nights a week that there would be these blue lights in her room and that she felt somebody was watching her. So I've dealt with her with that. I don't know what that was, but that was the one experience I had. The other experience, the only other experience I ever had was I was getting off the freeway and this was probably one year later. I was getting off the freeway. I was turning left onto a street and there was a car that was turning left right in front of me. So it went past right in front of me. It was a four door white unmarked sedan. There was one driver. It was a male. He had a suit, very clean cut looked kind of like government suit type of thing. And as he passed me, as I was waiting to turn left and he was turning left and his car passed me, he looked over at me very, very slowly with this weird look on his face and his entire face turned into a lizard. Oh, interesting. And it literally, it was like, it was like, um, how do I say this? Um, you know how, um, a chameleon, their color suddenly changes. Sure. It was like his face changed from a human to like this lizard face. And telepathically, I heard this coming from him into my head. And it said, we're watching you. And I remember feeling I really creeped out. And I didn't feel it was a good thing. I didn't feel love. I did. There was no love. Okay. I didn't feel any love. <laughs> and, um, and that is the extent of my experiences. Now, so that's not a UFO experience, but that's a, that fits into this strange soup. And, and I, just so you know, I've heard many people tell me the exact same thing. That really? Seen, oh yeah. It's oh, see, not no, many, and I, not many, like hundreds, yeah. but I bet you four or five I've heard. 
I have never heard anybody tell me that before. I did not feel it was demonic. I felt like it was actually alien. And it was a really strange experience. The only other ETs is that when I've done UFO, that conference I did that I met you at. Yeah. When I was on stage for, it was like, it's literally on YouTube. I guess it's like an hour and 40 minute video. I can't even watch it because it's so long, but it's my entire presentation is on YouTube from that particular conference. And when I was on stage, that was the first time I'd ever looked into an audience and I saw the souls of ETs walking around. Oh, I was in that audience. I was there. I was right there. Yeah. That's the reason we're having this talk now is because right. I, because of yeah. me sitting in that audience. So so what yeah. so here you got it. I was there. What did you see? Well, I just described it. I'm picturing it's like a special effect in like, you know, uh in a movie. That, well, it okay, so there was like there was probably close to a thousand people in that audience all sitting at round tables and I remember just like looking out and see when I when I turn my switch on and I'm in a crowded room like that. I will see spirits. They will be sitting at tables next to their loved ones. They'll be standing right behind them. There'll be like clusters of them around. And within some of those spirits that I saw, they were ET spirits. And I saw, I, now I don't, I'm not an expert on ET species, so I'm probably not going to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. But I saw, I did see grays. I saw short, smaller grays. Um, I saw, I saw some that looked like they looked very human like, but they were different. They had like big blue eyes and blonde hair and they were very, very different. Um, from that moment on, I started seeing more of like ETs that were like on a soul level. Um, wait, so wait a minute. So I was in the room when you had the experience. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. So I was there at your sort of awakening and and then these 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 UFO events these came shortly after you began doing your your spirit work your yes. your mediumship work. Correct. Yes. They never nothing ever happened before then ever. What about your daughter in the blue lights? That only happened once that ever since that ex, that happened in her room is from that moment on she would tell me as she that she was probably I would say a year, maybe 18 months old at that time in her crib. But from like three, three years old and on when she was able to speak more, she would, um, she would tell me the blue lights came again, the blue lights came and she would, you know, stuff like that. She, when she was two and a half, she saw my deceased mother, like she would talk to her. That was my next question. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, one time we were, we were folding laundry in my room and my mother died before she was born. She wasn't even conceived yet, actually. And in anyways, she was probably like maybe three years old. We're folding laundry and she runs over to I have a picture of my mom on my nightstand. And she had ran over to the picture and started kissing it. And she goes, nanny, nanny, nanny. Well, my older boys had called my mom nanny. And I had never talked about my mom to her because she was, you know, a baby and my mom was dead. And um, it was just crazy that she and she would point to her room and say nanny and point and follow like down the stairs and say there she goes and she'd wave and yeah she would see all that it was really interesting and how are her psychic skills presently zero she she has no desire okay um i've done a couple past life regressions on her and she's absolutely done incredible 
Um, she gets a lot of psychic hits about people and she's been to a couple retreats, but I'll say, Hey, do you want to take a class or would you want anything? And she'll go, Nope, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> but she, I think she's scared. Her plate, her, her plate might be full, you know, as far as like, yep. yeah, that's, I mean, it's tough because I feel like I've had psychic hits and I can't take psychic stuff on now because I'm just feels like my plate is so full doing this other stuff. So, yeah, when she's ready, if she's ever ready, that's that's her path. It's up to her. Yeah. So. Can you share a story or two? I mean, that's I feel like we've gone this whole thing. We've told very few stories. We've talked around things. We've told some stories, obviously, but I would love to hear like of an event or, or something, the wow moment for you, I guess in your work? Um, okay. I think the biggest wow moment, one of the biggest wow moments for me. Um, yeah, I have two stories. Um, the first one I want to share is when the first murdered girl came to me, she showed me her entire murder, everything. It was like, I was floating above watching her being murdered and she had, literally like stayed by my bed all night. Cause I was, I thought I made it all up and it wasn't until I woke up the next morning and she's like, I'm not leaving until you call the police. And I was like, okay, I'm going to like look like a crazy person. And I called the police and that were in this article about her um, missing person about her body being, um, they didn't know who, you know, had killed her. And they, first thing they said to me is, so what did she have to say? And I said, well, she told me that you haven't found her head yet. And they said, well, we want to meet with you. So they came and met with me. And then they, I said, she's in the car. She wants me to drive you around. And they're like, okay, well, see, they thought I was actually the murderer's girlfriend trying to kind of like give clues without turning them in. So they were like, sure, we'll follow you. So I drove like 15 miles around this lake, pulled over to the side, said here, there's parts of her was found here. And they confirmed with me that that was true. And so. I went home after that meeting and I ended up sketching the the three men that did it that I had like w I saw what they looked like when she was showing me the murder so I could see details of them sketched them and I was faxing the police the sketches and I I'm like like I'm not a good sketch artist but this is as good as it gets and I had little things like acne scars and like little things that you could tell a complete difference on the shape of the face and the hair and all that. And um, at this point, imagine six months goes down the line. I'm still looking for a body, still trying to figure out what happened. I feel like I need closure and I'm not getting it. At that point, they call me up and they said, hey, we want to come over to your house and we want to show you something. And I said, okay. So they come to the house, they're sitting down at my dining room table and they whip out the entire case file. At this point, they have not validated one thing to me. They have not said, you know, yes, we haven't found her head yet. Or yes, they haven't really validated anything because they still at this point did not know who I was or what, how I was involved. And so six months down the road, they sit down with the case. They start showing me pictures of her body and all this stuff. But what really my aha moment was when they whipped out three photos of three men right in front of me and I pulled out my folder and I bought my three sketches and it was identical to the three men that they brought out. And I heard her say, bingo, that's them. That was the biggest aha moment. It was also very terrifying for me because I mean, I remember starting to cry because 
it became very real. And I realized, oh my gosh, I know what they look like. I got scared. It really kind of freaked me out. It, uh, imagine I'm working on this case and I'm this new medium and I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know if I'm just making stuff up or if this is all in my head. I'm not learning to trust. But at the same time, I'm on this radio show. I'm getting thousands of phone calls and I'm doing all these readings on people. But I am still second guessing myself. I'm still going, what if I'm just a good guesser? Like, what if? But when they brought that out, is that was the validation that I needed to go, oh my gosh, I'm trusting spirit 100% for now on because this was the validation I needed. That's the first story that was like, I really felt like spirit was working with me. Um, the next one was, and this was really interesting. So I'm sleeping in, at my, in my bedroom one night and all of a sudden this man and this little boy show up at the foot of my bed and they're both soaking wet. And the man looks at me and he says, points to his son and he says, he needs to go back. He's, I, he's not ready. He needs to go back. And I'm like, I have no clue what's going on. I, I'm like, okay, thank you. And I just, at that point, I look at like, well, I'll chalk it up to if I'm supposed to help in this, something else is going to manifest for me to help. Next thing I know, a neighbor tells me that um, we go out to this lake in Nevada a lot with our boat and um, there was a big boating accident and there was a guy that died and his son lived and his son had been helicoptered to Vegas. Um, but as his, he had a brain injury, it was really, really bad. And I told my husband, I go, I wonder if that's the man and his son that were at the foot of my bed. So that next day I'm, I'm driving to my office and I see in my car uh, in the car in front of me, the back of the truck, you know how they do the sticker that says in memory of, well, it said in memory of, and it had Lance and it had the last name and it said, um, in small letters below it, he lived like he was dying. And all of a sudden the radio comes on Tim McGraw. He lived like he was dying, which at that point I'd never heard the song before. And I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, I can't believe like, why is, <laughs> I just saw this on a sticker and now the song's playing. So I'm like thinking, this is really crazy. There's got to be more to this. So about a month goes by. I end up going to some lady's house 30 miles away, 30 miles away. And I'm doing a spirit circle in this private home. There's like 10 women. And I turn to this one woman. And all of a sudden, I, I said, your husband is here. And I said, wow. I go, why do I, I recognize him? He looks really familiar. and for some reason, he looks really familiar. And I said, I asked him his name and he said, my name is Lance. He starts, I said, well, how'd you die? He goes, oh, it was a boating accident. And it was in, in this lake. And I'm all really. And he's like, yeah, he goes. And then he goes, all of a sudden he goes, don't you remember me? I look at the lady and I go, you are not believe this. I go, this is like seven weeks ago. I go, your husband and this boy came to the foot of my bed. I go, this is him. And she's like, yeah, his name's Lance. And she, I, I go out later and she's the one with the truck that has the sticker that says in memory of Lance, he lived like he was dying. And she said that, um, I guess Tim McGraw sang at the funeral cause they were like a friend of the family. And it was just the craziest thing. Well, he had come. One of the reasons he was trying to get in touch was because the son had lived the son woke up and ended up living, had a little bit of a disability, but the son lived. But he wanted to tell her that he, the accident was not his fault, that he was not on any drugs or anything like that. 
And she said they were right in the middle of the court case trying to prove because it wasn't his fault. It was a boat went out of control. It was a drunk driver on a boat and they came up on the dock and they wiped them out, like literally ran them over. So here this guy had gone to all this trouble to show up at my house, to have me behind the truck and the song and got me somehow to go 30 miles away to this house with this lady that I don't even know. But that's the power of spirit. So those are just, and those are a few. I can tell you hundreds of crazy stories, like hundreds. Yeah, and I could tell you hundreds of crazy stories with owls too. So I know. So we're we're talking the same lingo here, and it's just we've got different. <laughs> I mean, you're coming from at it from a completely different thing, but I there's there's like um the the term I use is there's a flavor in a mood. I can't tell you how many times I've written this. The flavor and mood of these stories is very similar to the flavor and mood of UFO contact stories. You don't hear about the outlying stuff, the psychic stuff, these synchronicities, but it's interwoven into these people's experiences as my own too. And I'm sure your, your life too. Oh yes, yeah. It's, it's interesting. And that's when you kind of start to realize we're all, we're all the same. We're all connected. We all are part of something bigger than we really know. And, and that's where, when I look at that is when I, st you start to, realize the compassion you should have for everybody because we are really we are all connected we are all the same so you know for all the hatred and anger and the the ang the judgment in this world is crazy because we're just all so connected and so the same it's like we should be compassionate towards each other and and you know, love each other. And that that's what drives me crazy is we really are all connected. And I think the more people open up their intuition and start listening, it, it really, the, my work is all about slowing down and paying attention and listening. And if you could do that, you'd be amazed at what you'll discover. It's it's like right there at your fingertips. You just have to slow down enough to actually notice it. I agree. I agree. And if and if you're meant to notice it, it's going to make itself known. And and it may be it'll be a transformative experience if you're not ready for it. I feel like every single human being is meant to notice it. I just think that we're not ready. Not everybody's ready. I agree. I agree. And I'm I was not ready and I was forced into it and I and I see it now. So Yeah, and I'm for me it was thirty five years old, so I obviously wasn't ready till then either. <laughs> yeah. I I must have slowed down enough to finally it got through the veil, you know? <laughs> and and I was forty five years old, yeah. So Hey, how do people get a hold of you? Um, they can go to my website, which is Marissaryan dot com. It's M A R I S A R Y A N dot com. And pretty much all my info is right there. You can sign up for my free newsletter and get all my info about what events I have coming up. And I've been traveling all over the United States last year, and I plan to go uh, next year also. Um, 2020, I plan on doing a lot of traveling, and I'm teaching in a lot of different st states across the U.S. And, and things like that. So, yep, might be coming to a town near you. Wonderful, wonderful. Hey, you know, I this is – so I met you – 11 years ago, I'm talking to you again after all that time, and I, I'm i so glad I did. This has been an absolute delight. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a wonderful time talking to you and hearing all your stories, too. You're very welcome. Thank you.
This is Mike, and I am chiming in at the end after the editing. Now, I wanted to bring up a little story I never had a chance to, and and I feel like I probably talk too much during some of these interviews, but I wanted to tell the story of one really simple, but remarkable to me anyway, psychic experience I had, and this would have been in about 2000, the year 2000. At the time, I was living in Idaho, and I had a close friend. I'm going to use the name Carol. I'm going to call her Carol. And I woke up in the morning. I was at my house. I woke up in the morning, and I heard her crying. Clearly heard her crying, unmistakably. It was about five in the morning. And later that day, we spoke on the phone. And at the end of the conversation, I said, this is an odd question, but were you crying at around five o'clock this morning? And there was a long, awkward pause, and she kind of said, yes. And I said, I heard you. I heard you crying. And um, I could tell she was uncomfortable with this, and I'd never brought it up again. Now, that is a very simple story. And and it, what it tells me is that I it's it's in me. It's in me, this 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 ability. And and I have never pursued it, and I've had a I've had a handful of events somewhat similar to that. And I don't know why that event emerged the way it did right then. There. Okay, I wanted to include that little story. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. Bye now.